0: All right, here we are at We're Having a Good Time podcast. I'm Dusty Slay, and she's...
1: Hannah Hogan.
0: Hannah Hogan. And here we are, June 13th, Wednesday morning. It's my mom's birthday today, so happy birthday to my mom.
1: Happy birthday, Edna.
0: It's also Evan Burke's birthday today. Happy birthday,
1: Evan Burke. So
0: happy birthday to Evan Burke.
1: Hell, now I want a birthday. I want my birthday to be today.
0: Well... And Hannah and I are also one week away from our one-year anniversary of being married.
1: (laughs) Oh, look at you, Dusty. I did not know you were going to give that a shout-out. A couple points for a husband right there.
0: So, yep. So, we've done it. Almost. We've been married almost a year. And we've got uh, green cards coming in, and, uh, you know, it's just exciting things. We're... Having a good time.
1: We also got a baby on the way.
0: <clears throat> well, that, not that I'm aware well, of. Well,
1: you don't get to make all the fun announcements, okay? <laughs> okay. Give me one. Even <laughs> if it's not true, I'd like to make an announcement.
0: Okay, well, I just don't want my family listening, reporting to my dad, telling him that I have a baby on the way, <laughs> only to deliver him disappointment.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, happy one week before our anniversary.
0: Yeah. Next week. We'll put that podcast out.
1: Oh yeah, it's
0: going to be hot. One year anniversary. We can give a rundown of a year being married, and uh, maybe that's a teaser for next week. We can give a rundown of one year being married and the comedy that we've done. And, and, and,
1: <laughs> the comedy we've done.
0: Well, this is a. I mean, then we don't want to a, a podcast about our just our regular daily lives.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's just funny. Like one year being married. Let's talk about our sets. Well, not to be confused with our sex. Yeah. I mean,
0: people don't want to just hear about, yeah, we got married and then we were, uh, you know, then we, uh, rented a new apartment and I don't know, maybe that stuff. So we can talk about all that, but yeah, I thought we'd tie it in with comedy as we do the rest of our podcast.
1: I think that's a great idea.
0: Um, So we're going to talk later in this podcast. We have a bit of a conspiracy, not a popular one. A lot of people aren't on board with it, but we found a couple of YouTubers who were into it and there's some pretty uh in- incredible pictures, but we're going to talk a little bit about Justin Trudeau, the prime minister of Hannah's home country of Canada and... Because, there, you know, there's been a little bit of, you know, the G7 or the G20. I don't know what it is. There's a G, some kind of number. G
1: unit, I believe. Yeah,
0: there's some kind of uh, gangster meeting uh, amongst politicians where they all get together and uh, make us believe that they're making decisions that are best for us when we all know that they're making decisions that are best for them.
1: Yeah, and apparently this past week... Trump and Justin Trudeau were at this conference and Trump had some words to say about but my leader of my nation, and uh, people weren't happy with him about that.
0: And we have a conspiracy revolving around him.
1: Yes, we do have a Justin Trudeau conspiracy theory, but of course we do. I mean, how could I be a Canadian and we not have some Canadian content right. on
0: here? and it was fun to watch YouTube last night because most of the conspiracy theories were from Canadians. So <laughs> it's just fun to, you know, to hear the kind of basement dwellers that are also existing in Canada. Yeah. You know, the basement dweller meaning, you know, conspiracy theorists that are just hanging out down there analyzing everything to death.
1: Hanging out up there.
0: Mm. Up there, absolutely. Yeah. So um I once again didn't have a weekend of comedy last week. I've had two weeks off and I'm I'm bored. I need to be on the road. But what I did have is I had a show at Zany's on Thursday. Now, because we had Bonnaroo in town and we had the CMA Fest in town, and it was only three weeks from my last show at Zaney's, attendance was a little low, but it was still a pretty good-sized crowd, and they were hot. We had a good show. I, I was calling it crockpot comedy throughout the show because I feel like it was a it was it was a slow build. We really built. For some reason, when I host even my own show. My first set is not particularly good. I enjoy it because I feel like it creates this real awkwardness. I feel like the audience the whole time is going, was this the right decision for us to see comedy tonight? And then, But I also host. So as I host throughout the night, the audience likes me more and more. I can feel them laughing at my jokes more and more. And then at the very end, I go out and I headline. And I think... Um, in this way I'm really working my skills on all levels. You That's know? how
1: I felt on our first date.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Oh yeah. I really grow on you. Yeah. Well, it takes some time cause you got to get into what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, I got a rhythm about me and my, when I did comedy at my, uh, dad's high school reunion, uh, there was some really old people, some 90 year old people there because it's a. Everyone that's ever graduated from the school my dad went to. So, and one guy said to me, he said, once I learned to listen to you, I really enjoyed what you did. <laughs> so there's a rhythm about me, I think, that you have to understand. There's a level of sarcasm that you have to understand. You can't take the things that I'm saying seriously.
1: Mm, mm, powerful. Yes, I agree.
0: Unless I say, you know, this is a serious conversation, which when I'm doing comedy... Never is. So, but you know, you get into that. You get into that rhythm. And so we had a good show. We had Rick Roberts on the show who I've done his podcast, School of Laughs podcast. And I want to give that a shout out because people seem to really like that podcast. I've done it. I have an episode. I encourage you to go listen to that one. Listen to some other stuff with Rick Roberts. Very, very good guy. Had Ed Wiley on. Uh, uh, had uh, Nick Bush. Had Michael Wyman. Uh, Brandon Imes. So it was a hot show.
1: That was great.
0: And uh, and then this weekend, I'm going down to Chattanooga, Tennessee, to the Comedy Catch. I'll be there Thursday, uh, the fifteenth. Uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Six? No, Thursday the fourteenth. Yeah, tomorrow through the sixteenth at the Comedy Catch um, with Aaron Weber. My wife Hannah Hogan was supposed to go with me, but she got a better gig. And, uh, not, not, yeah, well, better. It is better. It pays better. And, and it's a, a more famous headliner, you know, <laughs> I hesitate to say, but, uh, uh, it is and it's, she will make more money, uh, when she's good. And I want her to make more money because if she makes more money, we make more money.
1: But both comedians, Dusty Slay and this headliner, both have to draw you in and both you have to get into the rhythm because, right. I'm talking about Todd Berry right now.
0: Todd Berry. So, all right, I want Hannah to talk about her stuff. But just in conclusion, if you are wanting to see me, I'll be in Chattanooga this weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, with my buddy Aaron Weber. Uh, if you want to know more about Aaron Weber, look at my video on YouTube, um, the On the Road series that I have, On the Road with Dusty Slay. It's all about the Upper Peninsula. And me and Aaron Weber were on the trip. Check that out. You can see a little of what we do. And then come see us at the Comedy Catch, Chattanooga, this Thursday through Saturday, June 14th through the 16th. And now, Hannah, you had some shows?
1: Yes, I did. I I actually had a show in St. Louis at Helium and I went with a carload of Nashville comedians and I drove up with them. I drove my car and we went up and did a showcase show. And then we drove back that night. So it was a pretty intense day. That was on Thursday. But the show... That's what
0: kind of road warrior Hannah is. She put three other comics in the car with her. She drove five hours to St. Louis, did a show, got back in the car, drove five hours home.
1: Yeah. Thank God for those glory holes. Keep it interesting on the road.
0: All right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, sorry. Just trying to, okay. And, uh, so yeah, so we did that show at helium and that was fun. And we got to meet Andy at helium and, uh, and, uh, local comics came out for the show. And so that was fun. I had a good time, um, with my, my friends in the car and we had a really fun car ride back. I was saying to uh, to my friend Laura, who came with us, Laura Peak, you know, sometimes when you're in car rides with comedians, you know, you kind of talk smack about other com- comedians and just talk smack about the business and stuff like that. But in this car ride, we just talked about all the celebrities that we thought were hot and just people that we were attracted to.
0: Who were a couple of celebrities that you find hot?
1: I suggested uh, Elizabeth Taylor in her prime. Okay. Like we were going back in the ages cause it was five hours and I needed people to keep me awake. Sure. I
0: think everybody can agree that Elizabeth Taylor in her prime was.
1: Yeah. So I suggested Elizabeth Taylor. Uh, also Steph Curry was one of my suggestions.
0: He's all right. I mean, I'm into Steph Curry. Incredible. Donald, Donald, incredible basketball player,
1: Donald Glover or not. Yeah, Donald Glover from This Is America. Yeah, Specif- okay. Specifically his video with his shirt off. Um, I also suggested uh, Rihanna. Rihanna's always in there. Um, so yeah. There was I mean. a lot of suggestions. I'm trying to think of some other people. Yeah,
0: I think all these people are known to be attractive.
1: Yeah. No, well, there was Steph no Steph
0: Curry was the only one that I don't I don't hear people being like he's really attractive.
1: Yeah, like, actually, Laura didn't agree with me. She was like, not my.
0: Well, time. I mean, basketball players, uh, they're doing fine. Yeah. Money wise, women wise, they're all doing fine.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm t- I'm basing solely off of when I see them just on TV. Briefly. If
0: you're at a if you're a professional basketball player and there is a woman that does not find you attractive, if you can't find one, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yao Ming was bringing in the ladies, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A very tall Asian man.
1: I mean, if you have money though, I mean, you're going to be able to find women. There are women who are just professional girls that hook up with rich dudes. We also talked about that in the car actually. I I've been sort of trying to figure out like what who are these girls that are just professional hot girls that just hook up with dudes in clubs and take guys away from their baby mama and they're just Instagram. Like, what is that?
0: Well, I feel like what is to, your motivation as like a person? today people forget that those people exist. A lot of people forget that those women even exist. And for sure they do for sure. There are women out there like that. I mean, I just feel like that a lot of women now are really heavy into the feminism cause and they'll, they'll, you know, make blanket statements about all women when they, we forget that there are women out there that exist that are trying to steal men from other women. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And not, it's not even like their, their point is to steal men from other women, but they just, they're out to be a hot girl at the club and just, I don't know. I don't know what they are. They, they confuse me, but they fascinate me as well.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that a lot of people, uh, you know, we're all, we all have something missing in our life, no matter what it is. And what we're trying to fill it with is not always what's missing. Mm -hmm. We're just like, there's a hole in here somewhere and I got to put something in that hole. Mm -hmm. It may not be the right thing. It may not be what you need in there, but we would be trying to fill it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it was a very philosophical car ride. It was a good time, and they they kept me alert, and we got home around 4 a.m.
0: And then you had some shows this weekend.
1: Yeah, so then I woke up fairly early on Friday just thinking I had the weekend off, and I was very tired. Um, But then I was informed that I got to host at Zany's for uh, comedian Orny Adams.
0: Now, Orny Adams... As I recall, the only, the only m- memory I had of him was that when I watched a the documentary They came out in like the year 2000. My friend Costa gave me the documentary as a gift um, around 2005. He gave this to me, maybe 2006. Uh, and I had just, I had done a little bit of comedy. So he gave me it, and it's a documentary with Jerry Seinfeld uh, talking about how he threw away his old jokes, and now he's writing a new set. And then it also followed another comic, a quote-unquote up-and-coming comic named Ornie Adams. Mm-hmm. And he, on that documentary, was not a very likable person.
1: Yeah, I think I have seen that documentary, but I would have seen it shortly thereafter it was released. So I don't remember him
0: at all. I remember thinking he makes comedy seem terrible. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't seem fun.
1: Mm, That's too bad. Uh, That's too bad. But he, I didn't really have any pre anything about him coming in. I just, I had, I knew of him. I think I had seen a Conan set of his that I thought was really funny. Um, So yeah. So then I worked with him and my friend Brian Bates was featuring for him this weekend and it was really fun. Uh, Orny requested that, uh, all of his openers work clean, squeaky clean, in fact, were the words. So that was a fun exercise, yeah. uh, and not a difficult thing for me. So that was cool that I was able to do that. Cause certainly a couple years ago, I probably wouldn't have been able to do that. Like 10 minutes clean would have been probably pretty hard for me. Yeah. But, uh, I was like, hell, give me 15 minutes. Let me, let me, let me clean this whole audience up yes. with some Windex. Yes. These jokes are so clean. Boom. So, so that and, was fun.
0: And another great example of why it's good as a comedian to have the ability to work clean. You don't have to be clean, but to have the ability to work clean, because had you gotten that gig and then he sent out that note saying, I need you to be squeaky clean and you couldn't do it, then you would either have to go up and bomb mm. or cancel the gig. Yeah. Neither things you want to do. Yeah. And, uh, to be, and to be, I went down to watch Hannah do comedy, and then I was going to watch my friend Brian Bates, and then I was going to leave. But I thought, you know what? Let me watch some of Orny's set. I'm convinced that I'm not going to like it, but let me watch some of it. And immediately I started laughing, and he made me laugh for the entire set, and I stayed the whole time. I loved his set. thought he was a nice person. He was nice to me. Uh, and I enjoyed him. Yeah. Comedically and personally.
1: Yeah. He's a good dude. I I enjoyed him as well. Uh, yeah. All around checkmark in those boxes of, of agreeableness.
0: I had zero expectations. I thought this is going to be terrible. I don't know why. Why
1: did you think that?
0: Well, just because of this Seinfeld thing, actually. Mm. I, I don't think that was a good representation of him. And and I think that, uh, you know, gave him some press and he's working here. I mean, if that came out in 2000, I mean, he's here we are 2018 and he's still headlining. Yeah, that's almost 20 years later. Yeah. I mean, it's it did great things for him. Yeah. But uh, I just I don't know. I didn't think it would be good.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about, you know, a lot of times you'll, you'll hang out with comics and they'll say, oh, I worked with such and such a headliner. I worked with so-and-so and, and and they'll give you their opinion on them. And sometimes their opinion is not, uh, nice, you know, or not complimentary. So then you, you, you subconsciously or consciously your opinion of them is shaped by what someone else has said about them. But this is thing about opinions is opinions change and people change, hopefully people change. And I think no other art makes someone change for the better than stand-up because you really have to become a little bit, you have to be self-aware in stand-up. So if you're being a dick, you have to change that. Or if your stand-up's not funny, you have to change that.
0: Yeah. I mean, nothing, uh, you know, I don't know that there's anything like stand-up where you get immediate feedback. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you go out there and your object is to get a laugh and then you do that joke and it doesn't get a laugh, then you failed. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But this leads us into who, because we got, we got, uh, I think we have a good overall, uh, topic for this episode, uh, live comedy. I mean, because I think who you're working with this weekend at Zanies is fantastic yeah. and a great live comedian whose name is Todd Berry.
1: Yes, I am, uh, featuring for Todd Berry this weekend and Joe Matchy.
0: I think it's Maki.
1: Maki. Yeah. Joe Maki. But. Sorry, that's the Canadian accent.
0: Yeah. They're both great. Yeah. But, yes. But Todd Berry, uh, who you've been a fan of.
1: Yes. I listen to him on Spotify a lot.
0: And I've worked with him one time. I actually, uh, my friend Keith Alberstadt, who lives in New York, does the Comedy Cellar. Uh, it's friends with Todd Berry. And Todd Barry was doing a show in Memphis and needed a recommendation. Keith recommended him to me. So I got, or me to him, so I got an email from Todd Berry.
1: Yeah, I remember that.
0: It was a good time. Yeah. And we, we, we drove down together, me and you, and I did the show, and it was fun.
1: Yeah, and I enjoyed the show, and I enjoy his comedy thoroughly. I like yeah. his style, I like his approach, I like his sarcasm. I like all of it.
0: So when you dropped doing the show with me to do the show with Todd Barry. I was excited for you because I like Todd Berry and uh, I want you to do shows with him.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: He had a a joke a long time ago. I've never been able to find it again. Maybe it's not even him. Uh, But he said, I don't let men smoke in my apartment. But if a woman comes over, she can barbecue a goat. God bless her for showing up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I remember you told me that joke when we were first dating.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love that joke. I I don't even, I mean, uh, to me, it's Todd Berry, but I've never been able to find it again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's so funny. He's so funny. I love his sense of humor.
0: So you'll be doing that this weekend, uh, 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 Friday Friday and Saturday, Mm. early shows, Todd Berry, late shows, Joe Maki. Yeah. Uh, I think it's Joe Maki. I hate to correct you and then be wrong about it,
1: Mm. but But you do it anyway.
0: I do it anyway. Mm. Now I like Todd Berry. I've always been a fan. Um, and that leads us to our next segment, which I think is a good, uh, a good segment that we've, we've just started. Uh, where we just give some advice to younger comics. Now, if you're a, you know, a professional road comic who's been doing things for a long time, or you're, you know, don't think I'm trying to give you advice. This is only advice for people that I think are trying to get into comedy, that people that are always asking questions going, what do you think I should do? I'm trying to become a comedian. What do you think I should do? And me and Hannah both agree that you should watch live comedy. You should see as much live comedy as you can. Netflix doesn't count. You can do that for your own entertainment, but it's not the same. You need to see live people. Now, you want to watch people at your own level, but you also want to watch the professionals. You want to see the best of the best do it. If you have a comedy club in whatever city you live in, a lot of times comedy clubs will let other comics in for free, provided that you still Buy some drinks, buy some food, and then tip the servers. A lot of comics get in for free and then don't tip the servers. Tip the servers. Keep that relationship with your local club. Make them happy to see you show up. Anytime they know you're going to be a good tipper, whether whatever restaurant it is, if they know you're going to be a good tipper, they're going to love seeing you. That's the way... You know, I know people, I used to work at a restaurant, people that would do takeout. I've heard about them doing some things to takeout orders when they knew repeated customers didn't tip. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say the restaurant. I've worked at several restaurants. Uh, But I had heard about that. They were like, oh, if they don't tip, I'll spit in their food. And I'm like, oh. So every time I go to a place repeatedly, if I'm getting takeout, even if I don't think people deserve a tip at takeout. And to be honest with you, I don't. All they did was take my order over. I don't
1: tip at takeout. I've but it, never tipped at takeout.
0: I only tip at takeout if I'm a repeat customer. Oh, okay. If I'm a repeat customer, I will. Because, you know, this tipping's out of control. Let's be honest. I mean, everybody wants a tip for everything. I go to the Starbucks, or not Starbucks. I go to some local coffee shop, and I, I get a coffee. I order a regular coffee. They grab a cup. They turn around, fill the cup up, turn back to me. And then when get I get in my seat, there's a line on there for a tip. So I got to feel like you know, like I'm a bad tipper because I don't leave a tip off my $2 coffee. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you know what 20% on $2 is? It's $0.40. Cents. Do you want me to leave $0.40? I look like a worse douche if I leave $0.40. Cents. You know what I'm saying? I'm not against tipping, but I just think that when everybody wants to jump into the tip game, then, it, then it, uh, it only hurts the people
1: who actually need the tips. Well, America invented the tip. I mean, tipping is not a thing in other cultures. Even in Europe, it's, very, it's, it's not very common. Well, I like
0: tipping in restaurants, and this is why. Because the restaurant, in turn, doesn't have to pay the people as much. And then you tip based off the service that you receive. right? So that encourages people to work harder because people do a good job because they're going to receive a tip. But too many attitudes of people have gone the wrong way. They'll, I know people that I've worked with before. They'll give bad service and then get a bad tip and then call that person cheap. It's like, no, you need to you know, do a good job. So uh, anyway, that's a little tipping rant. I encourage everyone to tip. 20% is what you should tip. Some people say 15. Tip 20%. That means if your bill is $20, leave 4 bucks. It's not a lot of money and it gives them, you know, it helps them pay their bills and helps keep a world where you can go and still get a hamburger for 10 bucks as opposed to 15 to 20 because if a restaurant has to go from paying 213 to 7 bucks an hour, all costs are going to go up. So, sorry about that tipping, wow. sorry about that tipping. Political, rant.
1: very political.
0: Well, I just think that, you know, it's it's just good. It's just good to be able to tip and I don't feel like there's enough out there telling people how to tip. And also, if you repeat, if you're a repeat customer at a place and you're and you're not tipping well and you're receiving bad service, it's because the ser- serving staff is talking about you. They watch you walk in and they go, "Hey, that dude doesn't tip." Mm-hmm. So, Spend time on your other tables.
1: Do you know what I mean? Absolutely.
0: But that being said, go to the comedy club. See the greats perform comedy. And, and, and you know, be appreciative to your local comedy club. And we want to talk about some of the uh, people that we saw early on in our career that inspired us. And do you want to go first?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So w- within my first year of stand-up, I remember I saw tog glass in toronto and it was incredible he just annihilated the room in a way that i'd never seen before that i never even knew was possible
0: and you said this was a this was a weed room
1: yeah in toronto we have a lot of i mean weed is basically decriminalized and legal in canada and we have a lot of pot smoking rooms where you just go to these stores and you smoke pot and we have several comedy clubs that are pot rooms and,
0: and and for those of you who are not familiar with the the weed rooms, I've done two of them and they are not the dream come true that you would hope they were. I thought the first time I did one with Hannah in Toronto, I thought, Oh, all these people are high. They're going to be ready to laugh. But in reality, they're all just stoned. Yeah. And you tell a joke and they just look at you internally. They may be laughing, but I really bombed the first weed room I did with Hannah in Toronto, and I had no idea. But that helped me. I did another one in Colorado, uh, in uh, uh, Colorado Springs at the uh, the Dab Lounge, and I did quite well.
1: Yeah, because high people aren't the same as drunk people. And in Toronto, people that, that frequent these places are generally younger people who can't smoke in their house because they live with their parents. Right. And so they go to these lounges and they don't just get a little high. They get baked out of their mind. Yeah. And then you go up there and you're trying to say clever shit to people that only understand colors, you know, <laughs> right. so it, it can be hard, but it can also be really fun. Yeah. Um, but that particular night they sold out the venue for, uh, tug glass And I remember I was hanging out with my friend, my new friends in stand up, and it was just magical. And it was one of those communal feelings where you all experience this beautiful show together. And Todd Glass is very improvisational and uh, weird and just does a lot of crazy things. And it was so fun to see that. And it was inspiring to see someone be so free and, you know, without the cumbersomeness of, you know, set up punchlines. I mean, he was just out there and and it's fun to see people doing something that you've never seen before. And even if that's not the style that I followed, it's, it's nice to see styles totally different than your own. And and, then that was really great. And um, another person that I saw. And, and just
0: mm-hmm. to, it's also like that's something that you can't get by watching comedy on Netflix. Because right. if someone's filming a Netflix special, I mean, they do want all their material on there. They want their jokes, the setups, the punchlines. I encourage people to buy my albums because I think that the jokes on there are really good. I like the jokes that I tell. I think that I have funny albums. I think that I have funny jokes. But a lot of times at these live shows, The funniest part is what happens off the cuff due to something happening in the room. Or even certain jokes just become funnier in this environment because it's uh, the live comedy feel just creates this energy that you can't get from watching it on TV. I don't discourage people from watching it on TV, but I've seen so much live comedy that Netflix specials just are not fun to me. I just don't get into it. You know?
1: Yeah, I agree. Because, I, agree. I mean,
0: you know, we get to see live comedy every weekend. We get to see good and bad. I mean, there's some people I've worked with where I'm like, oh, gosh. But you know what? Even those people, a lot of times, are entertaining the room, making them laugh, and doing their job as an entertainer. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, all right. Who's another person?
1: Um, Someone that I saw since I came to America. I, I did uh, the Limestone Comedy Festival in 2016. And I had, I watched just several, I was just there as like a, a showcase comedian, but I watched a lot of headliners too. And I had seen three headliners previous to this person and they all were so funny. I had such a good time watching all these headliners, but then Michelle Wolf ha- a headlined and she maybe and by headline, I think she only did 30 minutes. Cause I think that's what the headliners did. Now,
0: Michelle Wolf. For the listeners who may not know, Michelle Wolf uh, has famously done the correspondent, White House Correspondents' Dinner recently, where, in my opinion, uh, it's just a bad booking. I mean, anybody watching that would know that she's going to do jokes uh, like that. And so any criticisms should go to the booker, because I think Michelle Wolf is also funny. When we were in New York and we first met in 2013, uh, we saw Michelle Wolf at Open Mics. Yeah. Very funny.
1: Yeah. That, I forgot about that. Yeah. I totally saw her. And I remember she had really nice legs. She yeah. She was wearing shorts. She was wearing shorts, which is never. That's really my takeaway from, yeah. from seeing her early on. I was like, she has really nice legs. It's
0: very bad. Uh, more comedy advice. If you're new to comedy, don't wear shorts on stage. But Michelle Wolf did have really nice legs. <laughs> and it was like, I'm glad she's wearing those. Yeah. Shorts, you know? Yeah.
1: She did. She had really nice legs. That's funny. I forgot that I would, that I would see her around New York and yeah. I would do mics. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but she was funny then. Like she had nice legs and she was definitely one of the best at that show in 2013. And, but I saw her live at limestone comedy festival. And to me, it wasn't just that I laughed a lot because I was, I did, I laughed a lot, but I was so impressed by her because she wasn't going up there, uh, doing crowd work and, you know, fooling around and just kind of You know, she just went up there like slinging jokes, like just bam, bam, bam. Like she wasn't messing around. It was like, I got somewhere to be. I'm about to crush this audience in a tight 30 minute set and I'm going to bounce. Yeah. And to me, that was cool because I just thought, holy shit. Like that was just, that was just professionalism, but also just like the girl just packs just really good jokes right. and just shoves them all in there. Like, she's like, could I have an extra four minutes? Cause I still have way more stuff I want to do. Like, it was almost like she did 40 minutes and 30 minutes of tight yeah. jokes. And, and it just really impressed me.
0: And that's, yeah. I mean, and that's the best. And you, and you, um, you know, you had said to me last night that you said something like that really sets the bar Yeah. For female comics it did yeah. because it's like you know i mean there's all this controversy all the time about women being funny versus not being funny but there's so many funny women out there that it's like all you have to do is go watch them and <laughs> see what they do and go yes obviously now i always say that there's a larger percentage of men in comedy than there are women but i think percentage wise amongst those uh there's probably just as there's probably the same percentage of unfunny men versus unfunny women does that make sense there's just a ton more men doing comedy
1: yeah absolutely
0: so But, like, you know, Kathleen Madigan, hilarious. Michelle Wolf, hilarious. Now, she's doing a lot of political stuff, so if you don't agree with her politically, you're not going to find her as funny.
1: But I think the thing with her is she can do political. I don't know how many girl comics do political successfully. I mean, she's super smart. Yeah. The girl, I think she came from, like, a Wall Street background. She's... A very intelligent woman and right. a great writer. So, you know, she was on The Daily Show. Now she has her own Netflix show. And she's just, yeah. she has a high aptitude. She can probably write jokes about anything, which is not a skill that, say, I have. I can't, right. you know, she's just very, she's very good at what she does.
0: Very funny. Yes. I also was impressed by Ornie Adams to see live. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried to listen to an album on Spotify, not as into it. But live, loved him. Bert Kreischer, I worked with him recently. Uh, he's, he's, he's popping right now. And uh, so, of course, you know, everyone will say, yes, he's great. But I got to work with him and I got to see him do five shows live. And it's amazing what he does. I mean, he really is into it. He seems to love comedy. He's all about writing new jokes. That's what he told me. Make sure you're writing new jokes all the time. Rich Voss, I saw live. I had never heard of Rich Voss, but I got to work with him. And, uh, he's still one of the funniest people I've seen live. He's a very, I, I, I think that I enjoy Orny, Bert and Rich for reasons that they do comedy that I'm probably not ever going to do, or at least haven't gotten to that stage in my career yet. But Rich Voss, very kind of a mean guy on stage and, but very funny. Mm-hmm. He does it in a good way. He he does mean in a way that's like, it, it, it don't seem to be offended but a couple of people in the audience got offended. There were a couple of women. One of them was a larger woman. And she was really kept yelling out at Rich the whole time. And then he was like, he said something to the effect of, oh, you don't want me to start in on you. And she said, bring it. <laughs> right. So and then he said a couple of mean things, but not weight related. He said a couple of mean things. And then he goes. He goes, you know what? I'm sorry. I, 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 but she was still yelling. I mean, this was a heckler lady who was not going to be quiet. She was ruining the whole show. And then he he said, after he said those mean things, he goes, you know what? I'm sorry. He's like, let me buy you a drink. What are you having? A meatloaf milkshake? Yeah. <laughs> and it's still the greatest, uh, the greatest comeback to a heckler I've ever heard. I loved it. The audience lost it. He felt terrible after. He actually tried to find the woman and apologize to her, but it was great. Some other... Uh, John Morgan, the and Cajun. Oh my God. Incredible act to see live. Incredible. Wow. Uh, Brian Callen. Uh, he was in the hangover. I got to work with him. Love seeing his show live. Greg Morton, a comic out of Toronto. Uh, very funny. Oh, oh, he's a, he does a, he's a voice actor. Does a lot of cartoons and stuff. I do Uh, uh, but he very, uh, if you see him at the beginning of the show, very uh, sophisticated, kind of nerdy looking black dude, big glasses. Uh, but by the end of his show, he's fully in a Diana Ross outfit because he's been doing this singing, dancing montage at the end of his show. Incredible live show. Early on in my career, I saw, uh, this was 2009, I had just started comedy, I saw Neil Hamburger and Todd Barry at... Uh, the poor house in Charleston and it blew me away. I had already, I was already a fan of Todd Berry, but I had never heard of or seen Neil hamburger. Now I've tried to watch some of his videos online. Definitely not the same, but in person that guy blew me away and he changed, uh, changed my whole thought of comedy because I'm like, this guy is doing an entire unfunny comedy thing, but doing it so well that it's hilarious. I feel like so many people are always trying to—they're always trying to reinvent things. You know, they're always like, "I want to do comedy differently." But the important thing is to be funny. If you're not being funny, then it doesn't matter how creative it is. Right? It doesn't if you're not being funny, it doesn't matter what your message is. Because if you have this great political message, you have a great religious message, you have a great uh, social justice message, you have a great creative thing that you're doing, none of that matters. Unless you're being funny.
1: Yeah, that's just activism, yo.
0: Right. I mean, because if that's what you're doing, then that's fine. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. But the comedy stage is not the place for you unless it's funny. We're not going for applause breaks here. I love a good applause break, but th- we're going for laughter. Do you know what I mean?
1: I know exactly what you mean.
0: All right. And then Roy Scoville, TJ Miller, also some people I saw live during that time. Great, great, great. Uh, just live comedy means so much to me has inspired me so much doing comedy and then watching live comedy it it all means so much to me that when you see it done well is really amazing and when it's done bad uh can truly make you sad <laughs> and, uh, uh, but
1: especially uh, when you're the one doing it bad
0: <laughs> well that, <laughs> that is perhaps the saddest that, that definitely makes you sad what what, one of the uh, the saddest things is when you'll be doing a run of shows and I recently did a run of shows where I was crushing it. I mean every show was going really well every and the, the next one seemed better than the last one and then my final show of that run was almost a total bomb for like 45 minutes, and that's the most disheartening when you have to get in the car and drive for 12 hours after bombing uh, so. It can be tough. There's a lot of struggles out there, but keep keep it up. Uh, let's see. And now, unless you have anything else to say on that, I'd like to jump in to Justin Trudeau.
1: Okay, the Justin Trudeau conspiracy theory. So Justin Trudeau is the Canadian Prime Minister. And Justin Trudeau is the son of another former Canadian prime minister. He's sort of uh, like uh, the Bush of Canada, although extremely liberal. Should we start
0: it by telling what we be- what our conspiracy is? Yes. All right. This is the conspiracy, and based on pictures that I have saw, I believe it. Now, to me, this conspiracy it, it doesn't it it doesn't really mean anything. Bad, like I'm not condemning the guy for this, but based on the pictures, I believe it. Justin Trudeau's real dad, Fidel Castro. It's, <laughs> it sounds nuts, but look up the pictures. I just want you to look. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not pro, anti. I don't. It's no opinion here. Uh, I'm just looking at pictures. And then knowing what Hannah's about to tell us with some of the stuff with Justin Trudeau's uh, alleged father and mother, uh, it's it's really
1: interesting. So Justin Trudeau is, is Pierre Elliott Trudeau's son. And Pierre Elliott Trudeau was a Canadian prime minister um, in the late 60s and mid-70s. And he was... Probably one of the most flamboyant, exciting leaders Canada's ever had because everybody knows Canada's super boring. And Pierre Trudeau was very much so a 60s prime minister, a 70s prime minister. And Pierre Trudeau. Uh, Meaning
0: he was into rock and roll. He was wild. He was
1: liberal. He was, you know, hippie, you know, free love. And he actually became Canadian prime minister as a bachelor. He was not married, but he married while he was prime minister. He was 52 years old and he married, uh, Margaret Trudeau, Justin Trudeau's mother, who was 30 years, his junior.
0: She was 25 years old? No, she was younger
1: than that. 22. It she was, was 30 tw- years.
0: She was 22 and he was in his 50s. So he's 52 or 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. In 1968, they met.
1: So that's his parents. Okay. That's who he was raised by. And his mother. Oh,
0: they met when she was 18. They met when she 19- was 18. They married and yes. she was 22.
1: Yes. And so his mom, you know, was in her 20s as the prime minister's wife. And she was partying. She partied a lot. She was very uh, notoriously associated as being promiscuous. She got together with... Jack Nicholson and she also had dalliances with the Rolling Stones and is thought to have banged Mick Jagger in Toronto when they came to Toronto.
0: Allegedly, according to the videos we watched last night, she had a real love affair with Jack Nicholson. Like, I think Jack Nicholson, she would have left Pierre Trudeau for Jack Nicholson, but Jack Nicholson was actually like, no, I'm not into it. I like being single.
1: Yeah. And, mm -hmm. uh,
0: with the Rolling Stones, what I heard last night on a video was that Keith Richards said that Margaret Trudeau was having sex with Mick Jagger and Ron Wood. Yeah. I don't know a lot of the Rolling Stones, but I think that was the name they said. Yeah. At the same time.
1: Yeah, so all this is to say we're painting a picture of uh, a woman that was very promiscuous. And, uh, you know, perhaps, and, and I mean, that's Dusty made a good point last time. I mean, they're painting her as promiscuous, but you got to know that a dude that's marrying a 22-year-old when he's 52, he's for sure having sex outside the marriage, too. It's not totally. like she's the only one doing that. So
0: I, I agree totally. I mean, you, you're, you're in your 20s, and you get married into basically a royal family. I know it's prime minister, but you, you suddenly, I don't know where she came from money-wise. But- she
1: did come from money, and. Vancouver.
0: But yeah, you have, you have, you're now the wife of a prime minister. You, you get, you can fly around. I mean, imagine she was just a fan of the Rolling Stones and now she's the wife of a prime minister and she gets to go hang out backstage with them, you know?
1: Yeah. So the story goes that, or the conspiracy theory goes that she, uh, in a visit with her husband to Cuba, got it on with Fidel Castro. And that's, you know, feasible. Fidel Castro was good looking, especially back in the day, you know, or only back in the day. And, (laughs) you know, he was powerful. I mean, she was very, she was known to, uh, to party with powerful, attractive men. And there are some pictures of her being very hands-on with Fidel Castro.
0: There, there is. Uh, and 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 back to our earlier point. I mean, you know, Margaret Trudeau might have been the early days of you know an Instagram model.
1: Yeah, absolutely. She was a beautiful woman, and she still is a beautiful woman. Quite frankly, I mean, she's she's you know very pretty. And uh, so so what happened was when Fidel Castro died a couple of years ago, Justin Trudeau got a, our current prime minister Justin Trudeau got a lot of heat because in his eulogy or speech about. Uh, Fidel Castro's death he spoke praises of Fidel Castro which certainly in America did not go over well because America does not has a very contentious relationship with Cuba and Fidel Castro is also known as obviously a dictator so everyone I'm was sort of like
0: as a terrible dictator yeah
1: like a very oppressive leader
0: like people fled Cuba for a long time to get away from him.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, he's a leader of a communist country. And so everybody was very confused. Why would Justin Trudeau speak so well of Fidel Castro? And so the internet chimed in and said, well, look at these pictures. And look at these pictures of her hanging out with Fidel around the the time that he would have been conceived or born.
0: There is a pretty interesting, knowing all the facts. Now, if you just saw this picture on its own, it might not mean much, but knowing all the things that you know about Margaret Trudeau and then seeing Justin Trudeau's face up next to a young Fidel Castro's face, the picture of Margaret and Fidel really speak volumes, I think. And then there's another video and I don't know what it's from, but it's a short video of Fidel Castro putting his arms – putting his hands on both of Justin Trudeau's arms in a a weird embrace and looking at him like a father looks at a son. It was
1: was at Pierre Trudeau's funeral.
0: Okay. It really is like uh, Fidel Castro is just taking it in and seeing this is my son without – saying it.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can speculate a lot. I mean, you know, a pitcher speaks a thousand words, but it's, you're speaking them in your own language, you know? So you're you're going to deduce what you want out of a pitcher. And again, Mm -hmm.
0: if that's his dad, I'm not mad at him about it being his dad. I don't care. I'm just saying, looks like it's his dad. If he, I wish that Justin Trudeau and Margaret Trudeau and Fidel Castro would do an episode of Mari. Now I know Fidel's (laughs) dead, but, uh, wouldn't that be a fun episode if they were like Fidel Castro, you are the father and then he's throwing up his hands. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually think that Jack Nicholson is Margaret Trudeau's or is Justin Trudeau's dad.
0: Well, I mean, whatever you want to believe, but let's let's compare the pictures. Yeah. I'd like to compare pictures of Pierre and Justin. Uh, Fidel and Justin and Jack and Justin. Mm -hmm. Hey, why not throw Mick Jagger in there?
1: Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying is like, how are we supposed to narrow it down to Fidel Castro? Sounds like she was giving some free love all across the board.
0: Totally. But the thing to me, I
1: mean, we're talking about free trade agreement. Margaret Trudeau was uh, ahead of her time.
0: Well, that's why, that's why they didn't stop trading with Cuba. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you know, she's like, nah, I got some imports I want from that.
1: Okay, you. these are fun political jokes.
0: But the, uh, the uh, uh, you know, I think for me, it's the picture. That, that one picture of Justin Trudeau and young Fidel Castro side by side is unbelievable.
1: It is unbelievable, but I also keep saying to you when you say that, also cross examine it with a picture of Pierre Trudeau. Totally. And he looks like Just he looks like Justin Trudeau. Well I'm not
0: trying to convince anyone of anything. I'm just telling people what I think.
1: Yeah. Well, there we go. That's a Justin Trudeau conspiracy theory. But I like to just say, you know, who his parents were, you know, where he was raised by Pierre Trudeau and Margaret Trudeau. And people talk about Justin crying all the time and being so liberal. It's like, look at his parents. His parents are so liberal. They were like liberals ahead of their time. Very liberal. Extreme hippie parents with like basically an open marriage. His dad was a playboy. His mom was a...
0: It is funny to hear him though in in the G7 or whatever it is. He goes...
1: We won't be pushed around,
0: and he said it. Like, he said it like he's on the playground. We're not going to be pushed around, and it's pretty funny to hear his tone in that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, it's uh, uh, we're having a good time. You know, and uh, I Donald Trump met with Kim Jong Il. A lot of people saying it, or Kim Jong Un. A lot of people saying it doesn't mean anything. A lot of people saying it means everything. I think that it's a, it's. I think it's basically a first date. Uh, Trump and Kim Jong-un went on a date. And, uh, you know, Donald Trump is trying to mend his ways of just going in and grabbing him by the pee. You know what I mean? Mm. (laughs) He's not just moving on him like a bee. You Mm. know what I mean? He's taking his time. He's got to court Kim Jong-un for a bit. So... I'm it's ho-
1: beautiful. Donald's growing; he's <laughs> yeah. <Donald's> growing right <laughs> he's before growing. our eyes. It's
0: and it's I'm beautiful. hoping, you know, as always, I hope that I love America. I'm an American. I'm, I'm my my family uh, <laughs> came to America before America was even formed. We the slaves came over uh, into Massachusetts, and we worked our way down through South Carolina, Georgia, into Alabama. We've resided in Alabama for hundreds of years. And I like the country. Dusty is a very American name. I challenge you to find the name Dusty in any other country. And uh, I like this country. I want us. I want the best for everyone involved. And I want to see us thrive. I want to see all races, all genders, all sexual preferences, all survive and do well and grow together as people. And the only way that's going to happen is if... You know, um, we have good leadership. So, despite what we may think of our current president, our last president, or the president before him, I always wish uh, success because I want to see us do well. I want I want people to have jobs. I feel like when people are making money, they're happier. And when they make too bad, it,
1: you brought an immigrant wife into the country. Well, she'd be taking everybody's jobs.
0: Well, you're a legal immigrant. <laughs> And you don't have a job. (laughs) We do comedy. Neither of us have jobs. We're we're comedians. So um, that's why uh, when the loan officer looked at our taxes, she said, how do you support yourself? (laughs) But uh, I feel like this was fun. Uh, This weekend I'll be in Chattanooga, Tennessee at the Comedy Catch at the Chattanooga Choo Choo. And Hannah will be at Zany's Comedy Club. Check us out on my website. I got a new website. Uh, dusty still the same old domain name, but I designed a website over the weekend. I'd like to thank everyone who helped me in this process, but we got a new website out and I got some advice on how to do my podcast better. So hopefully this one is going to sound better than previous ones. Um, Hannah uh, has also been doing her podcast. My mom is dead. She's been doing solo episodes, so please check that out. My mom is dead podcast. You'll get a little more insight to Hannah's life and a little too much insight. I'd things say. that even I don't want to listen to. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: and uh, <laughs> I'm learning a lot about my wife. And uh, shout out to my mom. My mom's name is Edna Slay. Uh, if you want to go on her Facebook page and wish her a happy birthday, uh, that'd be great. And uh,
1: happy birthday, Edna. Yeah. And beautiful lady.
0: Tomorrow is my sister's birthday. It's June 14th. Uh, it's also Flag Day. And my dad's dad, my paternal grandfather, is that it? It's mm-hmm. also his birthday. Okay. But he was born in 1900. Mm. So he's dead. Yep. He has passed away. Yep. But that's it.
1: Nineteen hundred.
0: But if he were alive today, he would be a hundred and eighteen years old.
1: That's what I say about you. You have this old lineage running through you.
0: Well, I can't help you know. I'm, I'm, you're like
1: this. I always say you're like a you're like a thirty five year old stuck in a seventy year old's body. Yeah.
0: Well, my grand <laughs> my grandfather was born in nineteen hundred, right? And then he had a son, my dad, in nineteen forty seven. So my Grandfather was almost 50 years old when he had my dad. So my dad grew up from, from birth to 18 years old when my grandfather passed. He grew up uh, learning from a 50-year-old man that was born in 1900. Yeah. And then my dad had me at 35. So I was raised by a man who was born in 1947, raised by a man born in 1900. And yeah, I mean, I got old school running running in my veins. You do. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, these days, people associate old school with, with bad things, and it's not bad things. I mean, it's work ethic. I mean, my grandfather, as I've said before, would get up in the morning before the sun came up. He shaved his face with a straight razor. And then he would go and he would hook his one plow. Now, my dad has a tractor now with a plow on it that has, I don't know, 10 or 15 plows on it. So you can plow 15 rows at one time. My grandfather had a, had a plow with one plow on it. So he, And then it was pulled by a mule or a horse. He would plow a field like that. It's hard work to plow a field on a tractor much less actually physically having to hold the plow in the ground. And then he would come home around noon from the field. He would bathe, and then he would go to work, where he worked in uh, the dye house of a mill, uh, of a textile mill. And then he would do that until nighttime. And then he would come home, and he did that six days a week, only taking one day off uh, for church.
1: Yeah, I mean, if he was born in 1900... I mean, back then, they had child labor. People talk about how slavery ended in the 1860s. Yeah, but not child slavery. Right. Kids were working when they were, like, six years old for two pennies a week in some sort of factory.
0: Yeah, my dad actually. probably doing that. Growing up, my dad actually picked cotton quite a bit, like, as a job. And he talks about how hard it is and how hot it is. And, I mean, it's just. It's Hard work that these people grew up doing, and it's uh, and uh, so you know I in turn learned from all that and said, well, that's not what I want to do, <laughs> and that's not that's not at all what I want to be doing.
1: Yeah, you're the prodigal son.
0: Yeah, so now I'm out here telling jokes. Mm-hmm. But I've had a great time on this podcast. I've had a great time talking with you. Thanks for listening.
1: I thank you for talking to me.
0: Yeah, I appreciate everyone listening. Hope you enjoy it. Give us some feedback if you'd like. My email's is dusty.slay at gmail.com. I'd like to give a shout-out to, uh, let's see, uh, in Lexington, Kentucky. I got a message from a guy named Mike who I met at a show in Lexington and uh, Burt Kreischer weekend. And I just want to give a shout-out and tell him I appreciate uh him sending me the email i won't say last names unless you want me to if you want me to give you a shout out and say your name say that in the email and i will i'll give more and more shout outs because i appreciate you guys listening and uh uh dusty.slay at gmail.com anything you want to add
1: g-unet
0: all right thank you very much we're having a good time